0: Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends, I'm here with a special surprise extra as we wrap up 2023. I hope that it's been a good year for you. It has been a banger of a year for me. (laughs) Recently, Danielle Silverstein, my good friend and the host of Marriage and Martinis, asked me to come on her podcast to talk about a difficult conversation she and her husband, Adam, had had. They'd been talking about sex and Danielle made what she thought was a fairly obvious and non confrontational statement that when Adam was enjoying a very active sex life in his younger years, the women he was with were probably not having as much pleasure as he was. Adam pushed back hard, saying it seemed to him that the women were having a great time. Thank you very much. It led to a really tense conversation in their episode, Awakening the Sex Talk Demons. And I'll link that episode in the notes. It's well worth a listen. So Danielle came to me because she wanted to understand why she and Adam weren't able to find common ground when talking about sex, even though they've done so much work to become better communicators. So she asked me to listen to the episode and talk with her about what I heard in it. Here's how Danielle describes the episode. Danielle wanted to know why this conversation with Adam concerning intimacy had been so explosive and chaotic before it was able to be productive. Had they done it wrong? Is it actually possible to tell your partner you need more sexually and have it be a smooth, gentle discussion? Leah breaks down what we need to remember during these very tough conversations. We've been conditioned differently from the time we're very young and are often simply adhering to the rules we've been instructed to fulfill. She and Danielle discuss that infamous first Marriage and Martinis episode that Leah was on, why we can't always trust our body's physical responses during intimacy, Games that can be played in lieu of telling our partner we're not satisfied as a means to get a similar message across and so much more. Because it was such a great conversation, I asked Danielle and she very kindly agreed to let me share it with you as well. One more thing before we jump in. Danielle will be my first guest of 2024. And I'm so glad that I postponed the episode talking about the show Togetherness, because that's what Danielle and I will be talking about. We're going to be covering the first two episodes of Togetherness, which is streaming on HBO Max. And it's also available for rent on Prime Video. It is a brilliant show that Danielle and I both love. And it's well worth your time. In Togetherness, a married couple struggles with maintaining their sexual connection with two young kids at home. The mom is bored out of her mind with the sex that they've been having, and she wants something more. Meanwhile, the husband is aching for any type of sexual contact because the wife has been so bored that she hasn't really been having sex with him at all. It is so relatable. The first two episodes alone include conflicts and conversations over masturbation, kink, sexual fantasies, and even shocking your unsuspecting spouse with a domination scene. (laughs) So watch the first two episodes of Togetherness, and then join me and Danielle in a deep dive into what it takes to keep the spark alive in a long-term relationship. Okay, let's listen to Marriage and Martini's Navigating the Sex Talk
1: Demons. And then once you start realizing that you were not experiencing at all what pleasure could be, the the irony is that when the woman feels so fulfilled, they want to have it all the time. Yes. To have the conversation of, I don't like the thing that you're doing, because that's never going to go well. Hey guys, welcome to Marriage and Martinis. This is Danielle. Over the course of the five years that Adam and I, five plus years, Adam and I have been doing the podcast, I have spoken to hundreds of experts in all different fields. It's one of the greatest gifts of being a podcaster and everything that we do. Um, and to this day, Leah Carey is by far one of my favorite guests and she's been on, I don't know, maybe five or six times by now because I truly feel like there are only a few people in life whom I could say anything to directly about intimacy or um, just secrets or anything And they would make me feel like I was in the safest, most comfortable spot to be in. And I could truly say whatever and not be judged. I I don't think there are a lot of people in the world who I actually believe would authentically be so embracing and loving no matter what you told them. And that's how I feel with Leah. And that's why I've been so passionate about having her so many times on the podcast because she does allow Adam and me to reveal the most authentic raw side of ourselves and I know you're probably thinking like well you guys kind of don't have trouble doing that anyway but it's different with Leah because she can reflect on our conversations uh, as a sex and intimacy coach from a whole different angle and she does and Adam and I have had some of our most incredible conversations after meeting with Leah and during meeting with Leah. She's helped us a lot. I wanted to talk to her after the uh opening up the sex talk demons episode. If you've listened to that episode and I hope you all have or will, Adam and I really struggled. We recorded the episode twice um, everything. We said to each other just seemed to go wrong. Um, he constantly thought that I was accusing him or piling all this shit onto him. I constantly thought that he was just being unbelievably stubborn and letting his ego get in the way of a lot of things concerning intimacy. I really wanted to say Um and i wanted her feedback about it because the conversation was so so exhausting and draining i thought to myself oh my god no couples are ever going to have this conversation if this is what it's going to lead to so i asked her to listen to the episode and i wanted her to sort of break down a little bit you know what what could we have done better i mean the first thing we could have done better is we probably should have had her just in that episode from the beginning but we did not um I wanted to know what what can we do differently? How do we navigate that f- initial conversation so that it's not as explosive? Or how do we not feel like we just need to sit down and have this, you know, honest conversation and instead find other ways to get the same messages across? And we talked about so much Um, We talk about how upbringing and socialization, according to gender, affects how we communicate about sex and intimacy, intimacy. and she conveyed to me so many things um, about our gender roles and how they affect us that made me look at everything so differently, and my initial reaction when she said a lot of it was, "Uh, I don't know, this is 2023, like, are we still doing that? I don't know that that's accurate. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, sh- no, we, we are still doing this. And and sometimes I think we don't want to admit it, but there's just still so much of this dichotomous idea and um, teaching about what it means to be a girl and what it means to be a boy and how it makes us really uh, have this enormous disconnection concerning intimacy. Um and, you know, she talks a lot about how we don't give any boys uh, any information about sex, right? The anatomy, touch, um, how long it takes a woman to uh, to climax, how much we need uh, more physical intimacy all the time rather than just when we're ready to have sex. Like all these things we just never talk about ever. Um, and she also talks a lot about some of the games that she recommends playing in the bedroom that kind of take a lot of the stress out of having these conversations. Um, And I'm a huge fan of all her games. Adam and I have tried many of them, and I love them. Um, And I do think that they work. So, um, oh, and we also talk about one of my favorite uh, things about the nineteen, I guess, eighties and 90s, which was Skinamax. Does anybody remember Skinamax? I think I'm gonna have to do a poll on Instagram. Um, but please enjoy this episode. We do get a little deep into some dark, heavy stuff concerning um, sex and a little bit of trauma and everything. So I do want you to take care when listening to this episode. Um, and it does get a little heavy at times. Uh, so please just be careful. Um, and also please go sign up for Leah and my workshop that's coming up from January 25th to 27th. It's virtual and it is going to be fantastic. I will put more uh, in the show notes, but go join the waiting list um, and it will be on sale soon. It is going to be an incredible opportunity for powerful women to come together and just really be our raw selves and speak in a way that we don't feel like we can speak out in the world and are safe cozy environment that we are going to have of just a whole bunch of us calling it like it is and embracing our sensual and sexual selves at midlife. So anyway, enjoy this episode. Go check out Leah at leahcarry.com. I will put the link for Beyond Permission, the workshop we're doing in the show notes, and enjoy the episode. Leah. Hi. Hi. How How are are you, you? Danielle? Good. Good. Uh, I would say that We haven't seen each other in a while but that would be false
0: (laughs) we have spent a lot of hours together recently
1: we have and it has been glorious and i think um i think i've already learned so much Mm. with what we're doing but we'll talk more about that later and i've mentioned before that we're working on a workshop and uh there's nobody i would rather do it with so i'm so happy it's with you oh
0: same here i yeah we'll talk about it more later but it just it feels so good it feels so right it does it yeah.
1: does and last time you were on you spoke a little bit about you and your partner getting into an open relationship and i mm-hmm. know that uh there has been a lot since then that you need to share we are not doing that this episode <laughs> yes <laughs> but we are going to do it and um I do know that if people have questions about that or are or something they're thinking about for their own relationship, that they certainly should get in contact with you. Um, Absolutely. Because you guys have navigated that beautifully. It has
0: been remarkably smooth for us. And I, I credit that entirely to the fact that this is the work I do. So I know the questions to ask. I knew the conversations to have. And not to say that there haven't been speed bumps because of course there have, but yeah, it has been the best possible choice for us and for our relationship. We are so much closer. We're so much healthier as a result of having become non-monogamous, which I think goes against every cultural myth you could possibly imagine. Totally,
1: totally. Although I I, I know you're one of, a few people who i know who have done it in the past year or two and um i don't know too much about the other people's results but i know that yours you know y- yours have been wonderful um, for all different reasons and everything and i do want to get it maybe we'll get into that a little bit towards the end because <laughs> okay a few questions <laughs> about that um sort of pertaining to me and sort oh. of pertaining to um like an intimacy on a broader scale so well maybe we'll get into that but i wanted to start because when we were talking during one of our workshop meeting sessions recently i had said to you you really should listen to the um awakening the sex talk demons episode that i did with adam probably back in july Mm -hmm. and for those people who have listened to it and hopefully everybody has uh we recorded it once And the topic was so explosive, me basically starting off by saying to him, maybe a lot of the girls who you were with in high school and college before me and me, you know, towards the beginning of our relationship and at times during our relationship, weren't as satisfied as maybe you thought. Mm Mm-hmm. Holy shit, he did not like that. (laughs) He didn't like it one bit. And what happened in that situation was, I think, the reason why so many of us never have the conversation. Uh, It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. It was impossible to penetrate his mode of thinking. Uh, and, And it wound up at the same time leading to one of the most constructive conversations we've ever had hmm. so all of that and i often find that with our our conversations adam and me and um that it it starts out as being it's it, by the time we get to the get to the point where we can actually make progress i'm fucking exhausted you know <laughs> yeah um and so, but that one to me was at the beginning. I said to myself, I never should have said anything. This is why people don't say things to their partner when they're unsatisfied. It is an impossible conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And I want to start by saying, because I am going to talk openly about it, and Adam is not here to say his piece and everything, which I do feel bad about. And maybe he'll do an episode with you about it too. That'd be kind of mm-hmm. cool. But I do want to say this that since that conversation, which was in July, I also want to say Adam and I have a very solid sex life for, you know, most most of the times in our relationship we've done, you know, we that's not our issue usually right it, sometimes it is sometimes it isn't. But at the core, our foundation and our chemistry and our, you know, is all great Um, and since July right now in this place we're in we are by far having the best sex and intimacy in the bedroom that we've ever had Mm -hmm. so he did totally step up in so many ways but it was a real process to get here also we have the podcast which gives us permission sort of to have this conversation um whereas other couples don't really have a platform where they can have this conversation. So I wanted to just ask you what are your thoughts about beginning that conversation because it is mm.
0: hard. It is so hard and I listened to that with so much awe and respect for the two of you for diving into it um because you went some really hard places and um I was listening to it wishing that I could, like, jump back in time and be in the room with, with the two of you.
1: Right, that's what be- we should have done.
0: <laughs> because there is some basic missing information that I think would make a big difference in your ability to communicate and his ability to hear Um, And that has everything to do with how we are socialized as kids. So something that I think is probably really uncomfortable to think about for a lot of people, but is, as far as I'm concerned, probably the single most um, impactful part of our sexual development um, and how who we become as a sexual adult is The lessons we learned as little kids about who we're supposed to be by gender end up completely um, shaping our sexual lives as adults. Now, we don't want to think about little kids as sexual beings because they're not and they shouldn't be. But we're taking in all of these messages about who we're supposed to be. And when that stuff goes unchallenged, we still have it as adults. So, all right, that's like the big picture. Now let me tell you what I'm actually talking about. Um, (laughs) When we're being brought up as a little girl, so you and me, we are seen by society, by our parents, by our religious um, communities, by our school communities, as a certain type of person, simply by virtue of the fact that we're a girl. We're supposed to make everybody feel good. We're supposed to take care of people's feelings. We're supposed to, you know, close your legs and just look pretty. You know, all of that stuff that is very much about taking care of other people's needs, making other people feel good, making other people feel strong and smart. Okay, so that's the version that little girls get. Now, over here on the other side of the schoolyard, we've got the little boys who are getting these messages about, I'm supposed to be big and strong and brave, And I'm not supposed to ask questions because if I ask questions, then I'll look weak. And the worst thing in the world for a little boy is to look weak. Add on top of that, that the maybe second worst thing, but maybe like the one and a half worst thing (laughs) is to be thought of as gay. Mm. Little kids don't even really understand what that means, I think, but they understand that that word has a big meaning. So they use it, and I don't think they actually mean boys loving, well, maybe today's kids do, I don't know, but um, certainly in our generation, we didn't know what that actually meant. We just knew that it was something really bad to say to somebody, oh, you're so gay. So it is desperately important for little boys to not be thought of as gay. So what happens is when we're raising our little boys, and I'm, I'm making some really big broad generalizations here, um, when we're raising our little boys, we give them just as much touch and love and nurturing as we give our little girls to a certain point. And it's going to depend on families, on particular dynamics, on particular personalities. It's going to be different in every family. But somewhere between about five and 12, we stop giving our little boys the same kind of nurturing touch and cuddling and just that kind of connection that we give to our little girls because boys don't cry and boys are supposed to be strong and if if parents don't sort of begin pulling that away the boys themselves will be pulling away because they don't want to be weak and soft which means that they don't have anywhere to be getting those touch needs met that nurturing that nurturing need met now little girls We get that by, you know, going to sleepovers and doing each other's nails and doing each other's hair. Like we have this huge vocabulary of touch and connection and nurturing with each other. Boys have absolutely none of that. They have zero fucking way to connect with each other. What we give them is sports. We give them this sort of socially acceptable way to get their aggression out, to get their sort of, um, but also to get their touch needs met. Mm. You know, there's a lot of talk about homoeroticism in sports. They're, you know, tapping each other's asses and all that stuff. I actually think that has less to do with any sort of homoerotic nature and more to do with them just needing to connect with another person. Yeah and have some kind of nurturing touch but they don't have any vocabulary for it so to them that looks like smacking each other on the ass the other thing we do is give them sex but we don't tell them anything about sex and this was a big part of your conversation with adam like why do you think that if you haven't learned anything and you don't know anything that you're doing something that i'm going to enjoy right we don't give them any information about the, and let's, you know, we're talking here about a heterosexual um, boy, um, or at least a boy who's having sex with a girl, female person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, We don't give him any information about the anatomy. We don't give him any information about what actual pleasure might look like or sound like or feel like we don't give him any information at all we just say here's a girl go ahead stick it in pump ejaculate move on with your day right so again they have this way like this is their only way of getting physical closeness For the average boy, this is their way of getting physical closeness, but we haven't given them any vocabulary whatsoever about how to do it in a way that actually allows them to feel connected. Mm. Meanwhile, this little girl has grown up to believe that she's supposed to make everybody happy and look pretty and just do the things that are expected of her. Pleasure is nowhere on her radar. Whoever talked to her about pleasure? We talked to her about clearing the dishes off the table at the end of dinner.
1: And not getting pregnant.
0: And not getting, yes, and not getting pregnant and not getting an STI and not being a slut, blah, blah, blah. So she shows up in that room. All he knows is get it in, pump, 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 get it out. All she knows is I'm supposed to show up and make him happy. God. She doesn't know anything about pleasure. So, what she does, again, vast generalization, but this is true for so many girls they show up and they perform what they think sex is supposed to look like in order to please the boy there with. Now, for our generation, that came a lot from '80s movies.
1: <laughs> and yeah, that's what I was going to say that you know, there's the one place that I think they do get, besides obviously, uh, porn. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking ethical feminist based porn. I'm right. talking, <laughs> you know, what was on Skymax when we were yep. 12 years old. Waited until one in the morning. You yeah. Know, watch the after dark shows wait but, you did that because i thought i was the only one who did huh? that. <laughs> oh my god i would i knew the whole lineup yeah, yeah. yes oh i was obsessed yeah um, same and so th- there was that and like you said when we were growing up and actually now they don't there's actually isn't maybe a Uh, a spectrum of what they're seeing it's kind of like nothing or porn i don't even know what they're unless they're watching like romantic comedies or something i don't know but yeah but it's no longer a thing and so um yeah that is one thing i think that that is so hard is that's the place that they're getting it Mm -hmm. and and it's funny because i guess that there's this obvious time frame, number one, from a movie standpoint of you only have 90 minutes to show an entire story. So we got to keep it quick. Mm -hmm. And also they need to come at the same time and all that. So there's all of this misinformation, obviously. And sex ed in school obviously did not prepare anybody for anything mm-hmm. except how to put a condom on a banana and, <laughs> yep. and so they're really on the one hand i think what i was what i was approaching adam with wasn't i'm mad at you for this mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, you need more information. I just want you to understand what my
0: experience was.
1: Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, I said to him, look, you had no, nobody was telling you what to do. And it's so funny because when you talk about those two stereotypes of the boy and the sports and this and that and the girl, and the, my first instinct is to push back on that. Like, oh, come on, not me. Like, I'm so progressive mm-hmm. and we're so progressive and everything. My, my thought then, if I allow my brain to go in the direction it really should go in, is yeah, it's fucking true, and it's not just and about I don't how want you to admit it, But but there's so much of that that that, and I'm not saying true for everybody. But mm-hmm. oh my god, I a hundred percent those are the roles.
0: Yeah, and it. It's not just about how you parent. You could parent in the most nurturing, gentle, connected, genderless way, and your kid is still out there in the world, right? Going to school, watching TV, you do it whoops, um, doing all of those things. It's not just about what they see at home. Mm-hmm. So and I know that that can feel really scary to parents because it's like, but wait, I did all the right things. How did I end up here anyway? I think we have to either commit to changing the world (laughs) or at least in the interim until the world changes say, okay, this is how it is. What are we going to do to mitigate those issues? And one of those things is to help boys understand that girls are performing you cannot perform and feel at the same time so the reason that so many girls are are not having pleasure is because they're putting all of their energy into showing the boy the right thing, the right picture, I'm moaning in the right way, I'm writhing at the right time, I'm saying the right dirty words, whatever it is, all of that is a performance to demonstrate that they are doing sex correctly. None of that leaves any brain space whatsoever to actually feel what's going on in their body. So, in your conversation with Adam, where he said, Well, they certainly seemed like they were having pleasure. Yeah, of course they did. Doesn't mean that they were feeling anything. There are so many women who will say, I actually am, I'm kind of numb during sex. I was one of them for so, so long. I had very little sexual sensation. And it's because my brain was so caught up in performing the right script. Are you wondering what Danielle and I are talking about with this upcoming weekend? Well, let me tell you all about it. We are so excited to be planning a three-day online workshop called Beyond Permission, Unleashing Your True Sexual Self in Midlife. It's an event designed to challenge societal expectations and personal beliefs about women at midlife. And Danielle and I are so excited about this. Too many of us, including both me and Danielle, have wasted time waiting for permission from others to live our lives the way we want to. This weekend that we're planning together is all about realizing that we can grant ourselves the permission to be the person we want to be to wear the clothes we want to wear, to have the sex we want to have, to talk clearly about what we need in order to be happy and fulfilled, and so much more. Some of the topics we're planning to cover include busting myths about sex, gender, and sex while aging, what you need in order to feel safe and seen, Body image and sex, effective communication about sex, making choices to support the experiences we want to have, what the quote unquote rules are of a committed relationship, growing inside a long term relationship, and more. The Beyond Permission Workshop will be held virtually the evenings of Thursday, January 25th through Saturday, January 27th. And that's evenings in Eastern Standard Time. We had talked about the possibility of doing this in person, but ultimately decided that that would limit pretty severely the number of people who could attend and the geography and all of that. But this way, doing it online, we can invite people from all over the world and you can take it from home without even wearing pants (laughs) or if you want. We welcome you to show up in yourself the way that you want to be seen, whether that's, you know, lingerie or with your hair all done up or your hair in a rat's nest. We don't care. We want you to show up as the person who is most authentically yourself so that you can be seen in that space and we can all celebrate you. You do have to wear clothes. <laughs> that is a platform requirement. But beyond that, show up however you want. All registrants get nine hours of class time with me and Danielle, plus replays for you to listen and re-listen to at your leisure for seven days. There are also a limited number of VIP slots our VIPs will get extra girl talk after dark sessions with me and Danielle, plus a special VIP box we're going to send you through the mail with all sorts of things to enhance the weekend and help keep you on the right track. And it's really fun. <laughs> We've had so much fun putting it together. Everyone will also have the opportunity to attend special a la carte sessions on more specific topics like maintaining a sex life while being a mom, or dating at midlife, things like that. Plus, we'll be doing giveaways throughout the weekend of all sorts of, you know, fun, sexy things. And you'll have the opportunity to meet women from all over the world who are asking the same questions and wanting the same type of community that you do, where you can talk openly about all of these things. So early bird registration opens today, and it is open through January 4th. Early bird pricing includes not only a great discount, but you also get a free a la carte session. Plus, for our podcast listeners only, we have a $20 off coupon code. That's BEYOND20, 2 For a few days, lay down the load of the good girl, the caretaker, everybody's mom, the people pleaser. You're going to be surrounded by people who celebrate you for showing up in your truest self. So join us at Beyond Permission, unleashing your true sexual self in midlife. Information and registration is at beyondpermission.com. Early bird pricing is available today through January 4, and we expect the VIP slots to go fast. So get your tickets today at beyondpermission.com and use the code BEYOND20 for $20 off your registration. One more time, that's beyondpermission.com.
1: Did you know not to get off topic too much, but I think it's very applicable to most to many women. Did you I mean, did you know that there was a lot of pleasure to be had? You just weren't having it? Or did you feel like it was all a lie? And and I guess I ask from the sense of, you know, I think with self-pleasure we all we kind of know what's attainable and then, <laughs> you know and then so many look there were definitely times in our relationship where i would be like waiting for him to fall asleep or waiting for him to go mm-hmm. out of the room so that i could finish the job mm-hmm. um, and and sometimes i think that you know look you could say to them also it's not gonna happen i'm just gonna do it my you know myself and that's fine mm-hmm. and sometimes that happens but obviously there it wasn't like i was saying like you know what tonight's not going to be the night you go to sleep i'm just going to be more efficient and do it myself so i'm just wondering if if women even under, understand and and there's that dichotomy because on the one hand do they understand on the other hand it's like i know so many women think they're broken because they're not yeah. experiencing it but uh, I guess are women thinking, well, I, I'm just not capable of having an orgasm. So, so thank you
0: for continuing to expand on that because the part that you got to about feeling broken is, is exactly who I was. I had fantasies about what great sex could and would feel like. I was obsessed with the magazines and the TV shows when I could see them obsessed, like obsessed with the idea of what great sex would be, but I was absolutely convinced that I was broken because I wasn't having any of the experiences that I was reading about or seeing or anything. Um, I also have a history of abuse, which has to some extent disconnected me from my body. And this is something that I continue to work on. Um, It is, you know, I've made so much progress in the last bunch of years, but I'm nowhere close to quote unquote fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, I still deal with issues around feeling, allowing myself to be really present to pleasure. Because there are still times when my brain will say, whoops, we're we're feeling that good thing. That must mean we're in danger. And so I'll take off. That is a whole other conversation. But I think it's an important one to Um, just acknowledge that, that there is these sort of, um, we don't know how to feel pleasure because we're so busy performing. And then there is also another box for some of us really just are so disconnected because it wasn't safe to be in our bodies, that it's, you know, also a thing uh, that needs to be looked at and dealt with. Mm -hmm. Did that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I do think that so many of us are not in touch with our sensual sexual selves. Uh I don't think we understand the height to which we can achieve pleasure, even if it's not an orgasm. Um, and I know look, even when you're going through the motions with sex and everything, look, it can feel good, you know? It's oh, yeah. Uh, You know it feels good so you think all right that's enough i felt good during it like i didn't Mm -hmm. feel bad so all right i got something out of it and then we just sort of we we get into this routine and um and then once you start realizing that you were not experiencing at all what pleasure could be the the irony is that when the woman feels so fulfilled, they want to have it all the time. Yes, and that's this is it, what guys don't understand exactly. And I think Adam is figuring that out. Like, I think he has definitely figured out. Like, oh shit, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> this is you know, and and again, we it, it wasn't that I was never having orgasms, and it was never it wasn't that I was never. um feeling pleasure and we weren't experimenting and doing great, you know, things and, and talking to each other and everything. It just was, it was like a hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It was a, Oh, that worked tonight. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the next six times it would be back to the, Oh, all right, well, I guess it's not going to work again. And, Mm -hmm. um, so, so there was, I never knew. And, you know, and then those nights when it would be really, really good, I'd be like, yes, that was, you know, it worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, so the consistency wasn't there. And yeah. And I think that a
0: lot of that has to do with how present you're able to be, like, on those nights when it really hit what was going on inside you, how connected did you feel to Adam versus, okay, I'm going to show up and do the things tonight. I bet on those nights, you were feeling really connected to him and you were in a place inside yourself that was like, yeah, I really want to be open because that's what allows us to have those feelings is that openness, that vulnerability, that connectedness. Yeah, and that unclenching yes oh my god yes and you said something else a minute ago you're talking about like just get it done and have an orgasm and okay and i i do want to pick that up because you know i've been saying you can't both perform and feel pleasure at the same time and there may be women who hear that and think well but i have orgasms so this must not apply to me that's not necessarily true so, okay, I'm going to do like the lay person's version of science here. I am not a scientist, mm-hmm. um, but so super from a lay person to a layperson. <laughs> well, then please correct me. <laughs> so our body is made up of multiple different systems. There's the system that we're very conscious of where we walk and we talk and we think about what we're going to say and we think about what we're going to do. There's all that. And then there's all of the stuff that just happens automatically without us ever thinking about it. Heart beating, blood pumping, lungs breathing, all of this stuff. All of that automatic stuff um, is part of the autonomic nervous system. Big word I think of it as automatic. Um, Oh my God. If there are scientists listening to this, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But some of the things that happen with the autonomic system are um, for people with female bodies, when there's any sort of sexual stimulation at all this does not mean sexual stimulation you want or enjoy or even part of this can even happen when there's some sort of like you hear somebody else having sex or you see something on the television even if it's not related to you your autonomic system will automatically start lubricating and sending blood to the genital areas Not because you want sex necessarily, but because, and this is kind of dark, but because our bodies are programmed to be as open as possible if we are attacked so that there will be less tearing and less trauma. So our genitals begin to automatically lubricate. Wow. Even if there's stuff going on that we don't want. This is work um, that you can read about in the Emily Nagoski book, Come As You Are. Mm-hmm. Um, she she writes beautifully about this and I am doing, <laughs> you know, I'm butchering it. but <laughs> um, <laughs> But our genitals begin to lubricate so that if something happens, there'll be less damage. So all those times that you've been with some guy and he's been like, "Ooh, you're so wet," and you've been like, oh, mm-hmm. that's part of why. Um, for me, it's also nipples. My nipples get hard like that. It has nothing to do with whether I'm sexually excited or not. But guys will be like, "Ooh, your nipples are so hard. You must be so excited." <laughs> <fuck> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we were taught nothing in sex ed. <laughs> Yes. Another thing that happens is if your genitals are stimulated for long enough in whatever particular way is your body's way, regardless of whether you're having pleasure, you will have an orgasm response. This is especially confusing for people who experienced abuse that they didn't want, but they think I must have been asking for it. Oh because I had an orgasm, right? It is absolutely not true. Mm. Your body was doing what bodies do. Mm. So the presence of lubrication and the presence of an orgasm are not automatic markers of the presence of pleasure. Wow. I know that's a lot. Yeah. And it's hard. But I this is the shit they didn't teach us that we so need to know. Cuz you know, I I can't remember exactly how he said it, but Adam kept saying in that conversation, well, they certainly seemed like they were having pleasure and they were having orgasms and all that stuff and yeah. And as a teenage boy, I can forgive you for not understanding what that meant because nobody
1: taught you. Right. But also, we need to do better. Yes. And I think that was the part that was the most frustrating was that, you know, he was sort of like, oh, well, they should have been feeling pleasure. And then he was sort of like, but nobody taught me. And then I was like, if nobody taught you, why do you think that you're capable of giving a woman pleasure?
0: Because we teach our little boys that they're not supposed to ask questions
1: and they're supposed to know everything yeah. and just do it and be good at it. Well and but 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 we put them on the soccer field, the baseball field, you know, in front of a, an instrument or whatever, and they fucking practice like crazy. <laughs> And they don't just practice like, well, I'm just going to get on the field and start kicking the ball. They, 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 they figure out like strategies and, you know, and what is, how do you navigate it all and everything? So in some sense, it's sort of like, we're telling them, yes, you know, practice makes perfect and all this stuff. And like, but not in the bedroom. No, you just get in there and like, you know, just start like, Token and shit and see what happens. Yeah, because
0: God forbid you should have to ask any questions or learn anything because we don't talk about the female body. <laughs> All right, like- so now I,
1: I want to get to the how do we start to have – look, it, if you can't have that first conversation, and, and I know how draining it is to, to have that, and I think what Adam was saying to me during that conversation was, oh, my God, you're just piling on the shit on me from nowhere. And and you can't have the conversation till you're ready to have the conversation, right? So yes. even though I think I was dropping some hints here and there, um, and he obviously wasn't picking up on them, I you can't talk about it till you're ready to talk about it. And then when I insinuate to him that he should research stuff, and and maybe and and you tell and maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe you know. Maybe that's not what we should be expecting. I don't know. I know. And what I said to him and in, in what I've said in several episodes is I know, like you said, as a, as a woman who I guess was brought up wanting to please, wanting to make people feel good, and also just my inner core of I just want to, you know, everyone to feel pleasure and joy and, you know, I... Can't imagine finding out or thinking even for a second that I didn't know how to make somebody feel good, um, you know, uh, figure out all the ways to help them them achieve what I want them to achieve in the bedroom out of the bedroom so my go-to is always look I research the shit out of everything right Mm -hmm. probably way more I mean first of all just for the podcast but way more than the average person but when I when I say to Adam he he says you know it sounds exhausting to do all this research and whatever and obviously they're not used to it but what how else do we get them to learn Yeah, such a good question.
0: Different people are going to have different ways of learning. Your way of learning is research. Clearly, Adam's is not. Clearly. So (laughs) (laughs) she did not say that with any sense of resentment whatsoever. (laughs) Um, I think that the way in is to present it as, I want to learn this together, so that we both have more pleasure. I think any conversation with starts that with anything, and you don't even have to say the words, if they even sense a whiff in the air, that it's possible Mm -hmm. that there is a thought in your head of you're not doing enough, you're not doing right, you're not, you're not good at this, any of those things we have taught our men to be incredibly sensitive on this particular topic again all of this is socialization none of of this is baked in but we have taught them to be incredibly sensitive so first thing I think is to do some of your own like processing about oh yeah how much have I been performing and how much am I willing to let some of that go so that I can actually dive into more pleasure. So that's some internal work that has nothing to do with them, honestly. Another piece that can be really helpful is to think about how they were socialized, to think about the fact that they are not being assholes or, you know, just completely um stupid or disinterested we literally did not teach them that there was a skill set to be had let alone what the skill set was we taught them that they didn't need anything so the fact that they didn't bother learning anything is a cultural issue not a person issue he's not being an asshole Mm -hmm. just because he followed the training that he was given so so those are two things that have to do with your own mindset and how you approach your partner. Looks like you're about to say something.
1: No, no, that makes that makes so much sense. Yeah, and I always I always try to say because when you have these conversations, it's really hard because people's first reaction is, "Oh, you're a man hater. You're man hating." Mm-hmm. And and my my response is always not at all. I'm society hating. I'm. Yeah. I'm pissed at the system. I'm pissed that we don't have any fucking sex ed. I'm pissed that, you know, we've allowed these cycles to continue. I'm, I'm pissed that it takes this much work to recognize that we are extremely sexual beings and we have these needs that we deserve to have met. And in order for us to get what we deserve, like Adam said, the research sounds exhausting. Yeah, well, no shit. Think of how fucking exhausting it is for us to have to constantly, like you said, perform. And even as I'm thinking about it, I, you know, and we've we've made, I mean, Adam, we've made so much progress in this department. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am so like proud of how we've done it, right? In the bedroom, we still got a lot of work to do out of the bedroom, but <laughs> but, but I also still think to myself, even, even now when, you know, I'm letting Adam, you know, see me in the light for, you know, all my body parts and, and yeah. all of that and whatever, I still know that there are some times that I'm like, oh God, does my face look terrible when I'm making, Mm -hmm. you know, like there are still times when I'm like, "Mm, the lights are on now. So it's all, and, and it is, it's an instinctive or maybe, you know, conditioned reaction that takes a really long time to unlearn. Well, it's a conditioned reaction that has been
0: drilled into your head every minute of every day for the last 45 years. Yeah. We don't turn that shit off just like that. Mm -hmm. This is why I think it's so important to start really curating and paying attention to what we allow into our eyes and into our brains. And that's something that we'll talk about um, at this workshop that we're yeah, going to be talking about. Definitely. Um, because one thing that can be really hard is to try to change your mind when you're still surrounded by all of the same circumstances that created that mindset in the first place. Um, you know, sort of, I think, was it Einstein who said, you can't do the same thing over and over and expect different results? I don't know. If, sounds good. Somebody said that (laughs) clearly not a scientist, Um, but if, um, if we're surrounded by all of this messaging, just think about every sitcom you've ever watched about the stupid husband and the long suffering wife, but also she always looks good. And she always says the right things. And she always loves him the right way. Like that shit is going in. And we, if we're trying to learn a different narrative, but we still have all the same shit going in all the time, it's going to be really hard to start to change that messaging. So the more that we can begin to shift what's going in to our brains, the easier it will be to shift what we're thinking and how we're feeling, but it still is not going to happen overnight. It took 40 plus years to get here. You cannot expect it to just disappear in a day or a week or a month or a year. I've been actively working on this for seven years now. I still have lots of body image issues. I there are still lots of times when I'm in bed with my partner or someone else and I'm like oh god how how does that look mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it would be unreasonable to think otherwise
1: right right I know and if we could just like even you know let a little bit more of that go then mm. uh, and I, I know the, the difference the unclench versus the clench right the mm-hmm. oh if I don't If I don't position myself this way, I'm going to. There is just such a difference physiologically and how when you let yourself relax, Mm -hmm.
0: how different it is. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I was also going to say, you know, what about people who are worried about saying, you know what, let me show you. Let Mm -hmm. me show you what. How to do it or moving their hand or moving, you know, or how do we do that in a way that's less like, all right, what you're doing sucks. And so I'm just going to fix it for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So this is something we've talked about on this show before that I know you love because you've brought it up with me multiple times. Um, The absolute pinnacle, I think, of how to do this well is the three minute game
1: um I and love your, games. your games are my favorite okay let <laughs> me just do a book of games
0: yeah I that's funny I've actually thought about it I wow. should do that yeah. um you can you can download it at LeahCarry.com forward slash three minutes um and it's a very short game so even if you have toddlers in the house you should still be able to find three minutes at a time <laughs> hopefully <laughs> um and this is about you and your partner discovering things together. The reason that I like this is there is never a moment in it when you say you did this wrong. Could you do something else instead? Instead, you're saying, I would like to try this. Would you try it with me? It's inviting them into the process. It's inviting them to be part of the exploration, so that when they discover that thing that makes you moan and writhe, they get to feel the celebration of that. They get to feel like, oh, I, I did it. I, I got to the top <laughs> of the mountain. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So the the very um, brief description of this with the three minute game is. Um, one of you lays down one of, so one of you is the receiver, one of you is the giver. The person who's giving says, How would you like me to touch you for three minutes? It can be a really challenging question to answer when you've never been asked mm. by somebody who's really intently wanting to know your answer. But at whatever point you have an answer, you tell them, I want you to stroke my hair. I want you to rub my back. I want you to suck my nipples. Like it can be anything. It doesn't have to be sexual. It can be. Then they set a timer for three minutes. And what that does is it lets both of your brains relax so that the person who's giving doesn't think, oh my God, how long is this going to (laughs) go? Have I done enough yet? Right, right. And the person who's receiving doesn't think, oh my God, am I asking for too much? Is this going on too long? Should I tell them to stop? (laughs) Right. So both of your brains can relax because the timer is going to take care of the time. And all that they have to do for three minutes is focus on touching you the way that you've asked to be touched. And during that time, you can say, oh, you know, I thought that would feel great but I wonder how it would feel two inches to the right. You know, like you can continue to give them instructions until you get exactly that thing Mm. that they get to discover with you. Hmm. And then lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of positive reinforcement. Oh my God, that thing you did. Oh my God, that was amazing. I can't wait till we do it again. And then tomorrow, Oh my God, I I'm still thinking about that thing. You did, you know, like lots of positive reinforcement so that they can really anchor in. Oh, that's a thing. That's a really good thing. Um, and then you switch places. So you both get an experience of both giving and receiving in the three minute game. Um, In this way, I don't think that it's necessary to have the conversation of, I don't like the thing that you're doing because that's never going to go well. Mm. Instead, you help them to discover what will be good with you. You get to celebrate together. There are so many women who don't initiate any kind of touch not even a hug, because they anticipate that it's going to escalate to sex that they don't oh, want to I have, have right now.
1: Too. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. So one of my questions for couples who are having to uh, are having this sort of libido mismatch, uh, which is very often not a libido issue at all, but um, one of the questions I have is how often are the two of you having intimate touch? Without the expectation that it's going to end in orgasm. Right. That kind of nurturing, connecting touch, whether it is anywhere on the scale from platonic to sensual to sexual, regardless of where it is on the scale, how often are you having that kind of touch without the expectation that somebody's going to have to perform is so connecting. Mm-hmm. It's so, and it is extremely respectful of the female turn-on cycle, which is really different from the male turn-on cycle. Um, This is, again, Emily Nagoski, come as you are, is like the Bible for all of this stuff. But very quickly, the system that um, that is driven by Dear God, all of the words have just left my brain. <laughs> <laughs> that no time. Um, For
1: me, it's perimenopause. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um, the system that is powered by testosterone gets turned on like that. It goes from, I see it, I want it, I have to have it. So, I mean, this is why men get instant erections and why they're like, yes, come here, let me grab, let me touch the female turn-on cycle is very different. It's, "Hmm, I see you. Right. You stay over there for a few (laughs) minutes. Let me just think about it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's, whereas the male turn-on cycle is like an immediate peak, the female cycle is more like the gentle slope of a hill. Mm -hmm. Does not mean that the female body does not get just as turned on as the male body, but it happens over a different period of time. Mm. This is why quote unquote foreplay is so important. It's crucial. This is the time during which the woman's body fully lubricates and gets turned on and is ready to be fully sexual. Up until that point, her body's still like, yeah, let me think about it a little bit. Uh (laughs) And we have demonized, quote unquote, foreplay to the point that it's sort of like for a lot of men, not everybody, certainly, but for a lot of men, it's like, okay, let's do this two minutes thing of of whatever kind of touching you need so that we could get to the banging. Mm -hmm. And just like you were saying a little while ago, the more that we can help them to understand that if you stick with us through the pleasure cycle, through the turn on cycle, it's going to be so much more fun for both of us. And I'm going to want it more. I'm going to want so much more, but I need you to be a little bit patient.
1: Yeah, Right. Right. It's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, 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 that is, that is the part where we're failing ourselves and each other. in all of this because it's not I think look I'm not going to speak for everybody but I think once you have had an amazing sexual experience with your partner you're just kind of like I want to have that it's just like like food Mm -hmm. (laughs) right like I want I don't want to eat apples when i can eat fucking chocolate frosting <laughs> <laughs> and i would yeah. like to eat chocolate frosting all the time mm-hmm. so you know it's that same kind of thing but the awesome part is that you know it's a lot healthier for you than chocolate frosting <laughs> <laughs> it's good for you <laughs> yeah. so um yeah so i just it's that get disconnect to me is so frustrating, you know, because I think what was happening was I, when Adam and I would have a really good experience, you know, when we would try something and it would be fantastic or he would hit the spot or, mm-hmm. you know, and there are certain things, like I always say, like I could kiss Adam all day long. He's a really, really good kisser. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that like, maybe he wasn't as attuned to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so once When that one thing would happen and then the next time it wouldn't, then I would sort of be like, "Mm, do I want to take my chances? Do I want to? It was a Uh crapshoot. Where, as opposed to if you can communicate every single time and say, hey, that was working for me last time, but tonight it's just not, that's not working for me. Like, let's, then you can have the every time. Mm -hmm. yeah rather than uh, every fourth or sixth time Mm -hmm.
0: and I also think it's really important to recognize that that type of communication that type of being able to say that was working for me last time but it's not this time takes time to build up the kind of trust Mm. that's needed between you you and Adam have been doing that work very publicly of building that trust for the last five years yeah um you are getting there because there's this whole um, foundation mm-hmm. of trust and conversation. You didn't start there from zero. So I, I think that I don't want to give anybody the idea that going from zero to 100 over the course of a day or a week is necessarily going to be a great idea that has really great results. Sure. Maybe if you do it, like, you know, if you bring in somebody like a coach or a therapist, like the work that I do working with couples, where somebody can be there to help guide the conversation, not... And this is something that I think comes up with people like I don't want to talk to a you know a therapist or a coach because they're going to take your side. Like if it were, let's say you and Adam five years ago, he might have said, "Well, she's a woman; she's going to take your side, and she's just going to tell me all the thing, all the ways that I'm wrong, and all the bad things that I do." No, it is not my job to call balls and strikes. Mm. It's my job to help the two of you communicate so that you can play the game that's really fun for you. I'm not here to make judgments about anything. I'm not here to tell anybody that they're right and wrong. I'm here to help you have the conversation that you need to have without you know going so far off track that you can't get back or getting so angry with each other or so upset with each other that you throw the headphones off. Well, and,
1: you know. Well, that's what we were so, you know, that's really what was it it might have been six years ago five years ago I don't know that first conversation we ever had i have to pull the episode again and and relaunch it because i mean it's still there but people should listen to it because if they do listen to it first of all it was when adam said his very famous and he Mm -hmm. hates when i bring this up so i'm not even going to bring it up (laughs) listen to the episode but i will (laughs) when adam said when i'm done i'm done (laughs) right when i'm done i'm done right and 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 in that moment and after that episode people were like did he really just fucking say that Mm -hmm. but at the same time one of the most amazing things about adam in this space and as a podcaster is that he says all the things and is sort of like yeah i'll say it you know which is amazing and makes me admire him so much yes and when he said that and we got those reactions and everything and you talked us through that that was really the launch of the okay maybe we have some work to do and and without that conversation i don't know that we would have started doing the work and like you said it was not overnight it has Mm -hmm. not been overnight and but it has gone in increments and and allowed us you know on a broader level to you know to have hard conversations and look obviously anybody who listened to our episodes from the last few weeks know we're nowhere close to being done but it it opens up a, a new pathway, a new, that wasn't there before. And it, it allows for more openness and, you know, experimentation and all of the, all of that. So, you know, I do, and I I think Adam would agree too, that when we talk to you, you know, or when we talk to our regular therapists that, you know, our couples counseling therapist, um, it, it, you have a conversation in a way that you just can't have by yourselves mm-hmm. you just can't you know mm-hmm. and there's a lot of conversations we can have ourselves and there's some that we just if we want it, if we want it to be effective we just need a, a mediator or, or yeah. you know, and some some a voice of knowledge yeah so uh, um and that's not a sales it. pitch. I mean, <laughs> like thought they, they're like, "Oh, Leah, pay her for this episode." No, she did not. But I have to say that there is—you're so gentle and calming, and mm-hmm. um, and real and relatable in a in a way that I think makes it so that you can say to yourself, um, "Oh, yeah, I could do that too." Mm,
0: thank
1: you. And it's true. It's true. I,
0: I think one of the things that I can bring to that conversation is the ability, because I'm not emotionally invested in it. I'm emotionally invested in each of you as people because I'm working with you, but I'm not emotionally invested in the conversation. So I can help to slow the conversation down so that, you know, one of you says something I don't like when you say I'm done, then I'm done. And then he jumps in and and that's terrible. And he jumps in and he says, but you don't understand what I was saying. And then you jump in. "Ah, Ah, And it just escalates so quickly. And what that third party who's not emotionally invested in that conversation can do is say, okay, hold on. Let's back up. Adam, what did you hear when Danielle said, I want to remind you that you said, when I'm done, I'm done. What did you hear? And what did that mean to you? What went through your head? Why are you getting upset? And then, okay, Danielle, can you understand what you just heard from Adam why he got upset and you say, yeah, actually that makes sense. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it the way that you heard it. Okay. Danielle, what did you actually mean? Like we can slow the conversation down so much in a way that is very hard to do on your own. Right.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And let me tell you, man, we, we, for to unlearn all the stuff we've learned you know, all the help we can get.
0: And this is why I admire the hell out of the two of you oh. for, because you do this so publicly, like I live a very <laughs> public life. I talk about my sex life all the time. And there is a certain level of stuff that I don't share. Right. Like, you know, I have pretty significant boundaries.
1: Um, not to say that you don't. Oh, no, we do no we do we do look we we just talked about this the other week you know that the 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 balancing the public and the private is you know but listen once I said and I don't know what it was episode what I don't know way back in the day you know when I talked (laughs) about hating anal sex it was like all bets were off and from then on just yeah you you might as well just say what you want to say and I just I love that about the two of you you just keep coming back
0: Keep coming back to the batting cage and doing it again and doing it again.
1: We do. It, we do. And it takes, listen, I, it, forever is a really long fucking time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you, and you want to get to a place where you feel like you want forever to feel like a really long time. <laughs> so that's the, you know, that's the thing. So um, thank you, Leah. Oh, my God. Mm. We could like, I I can't even, we, we could just keep going. Um, yep. But thank you so much, and i I am so freaking excited for uh, January twenty fifth to twenty seventh. Yes, um, we're doing it's virtual, but it will be live, and it will. We are we're preparing the shit out of it. We have spent so many hours together yes. <laughs> on, yes. on Zoom, and, yeah, and talking. You know, and and bringing both of our perspectives and um mm. and all the other. Resources that we have and uh, I really think it's going to be a phenomenally um, open, wonderful, fun, um, just girls retreat kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and and we have lots of fun stuff planned. So I hope people will look into that and you can uh, get on the wait list for that mm-hmm. uh, on our website beyondpermission.com. Yep, and we're taking
0: you beyond the place of asking: Am I allowed to want this? Am I allowed to do this? Asking permission for everything? No,
1: no. We are we you have the permission now. We're going yes. to next step um, beyond permission. just a, a a being able to talk like this, right, mm-hmm. to people and and to come together and say, look, we're all dealing with this shit let's not pretend we're not yes and so we and we all deserve exactly what we want and we're going to get to a closer place of that are Mm -hmm. we going to solve all the issues no but we're going to journey towards it and we're going to have a lot of fucking fun doing it yes i love that so um, so beyondpermission.com, uh, your website is leahcary.com. Yes. Uh, that is L-E-A-H-C-A-R-E-Y. And we'll put that in the show notes. And um, so you, and you have so many fun freebies on your website and everything. Um, and you're just a pleasure to talk to and be around. So Aww,
0: thanks. Um, oh, and come do the quiz. I just launched this new quiz. Oh yeah. I
1: have to do that.
0: You have to do it. I haven't We're- done it yet. You answer a bunch of questions and then I match you up with a um, TV or movie character who is dealing with some of the same like sexual challenges that. that you are so that you can learn by watching them.
1: Oh my God. I love yeah. that. I'm so excited right, I'm gonna about it. it. I'm going to do it and then we'll talk about it. Maybe. Okay, on cool. next episode. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Leah. I love you. I love you too, Danielle. You have a great day. You too. <laughs>